Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our author events at www.skylightbooks.com. At our website, you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. And don't be afraid to follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. Thanks for listening and enjoy. But on to tonight's event, which is, I think, particularly awesome. Uh, we are just really thrilled to be hosting a Derby Dolls event here. And um, I'll just say that this book, to steal from uh, one of the rave blurbs on the back, this book is definitely required reading for anybody interested in derby. I mean, anything you could ever want to know about the sport is in this book, uh, along with a lot of really awesome um, images of some really hot chicks. And <laughs> uh, it's just a, you know, a great thing to have. Um, and there are probably no two people better suited to have written this book um, than Jennifer Barbie and Alex Cohen, AKA Casey Bomber and Axles of Evil. Um, so with that, please help me to welcome them. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Uh, first of all, this is totally awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, we want to start off with a question, quick show of hands. How many people have ever skated in a derby bout in their lives? Raise your hand. <laughs> all right, very good, thank you. So for those of you who have done that, you'll probably know a couple of things about roller derby. We found that in the process of writing this book that it was a lot like skating roller derby. Writing a book is really, really, really hard. You kind of feel like you have no idea what you're doing most of the time. Uh, but most importantly, there's no way you could get through it without the love and support of your friends and your family. And the same is true. This is our first official event. I feel like it's our first bout. I've got that like nervous, excited feeling. And it means so much to us both to have you all here. So thank you to you guys for coming out. For those who haven't, been in about before even seen about, we wanted to give you a little sense of, of what the world of roller derby is like, and for that we have uh, brought a little video, so without further ado, here it goes. Derby Dolls bout consists of four quarters, each lasting 15 minutes. These quarters are divided into 60-second rounds called jams. Each team has five players on the track in each jam, four players called blockers, and one point-scoring player called the jammer. You can always distinguish the jammers from the other players on the track by their starred helmets. It's the jammer's job to try to score points, and the blocker's job to try to stop them. The first whistle will sound to start the jam, and the blockers launch onto the track. 
A second whistle sounds, and the jammers spring into action. The blockers form a tight grouping called the pack. The jammers race their way around the track and catch up to the pack. The jammers must then fight their way through the pack. The blockers from the opposing team will try to stop them, while the blockers on their team try to assist them. The jammers have now broken out of the pack and must race their way around the track and meet up with the pack again. Keep an eye on the jammer in front. She is your lead jammer and can call off the jammer by placing her hands on her hips. The pink jammer is now in position to score. She receives one point for each member of the opposing team she passes. As the pink jammer racks up points, the yellow jammer catches the pack and is now also in position to score. The yellow jammer will also receive one point for each member of the pink team she passes. The jam ends when 60 seconds have elapsed or when the lead jammer calls off the jam by placing her hands on her hips. Players are not permitted to purposely trip or tackle their opponents. Players can block each other using their bodies and shoulders, but cannot use their elbows, forearms, or hands. Players violating the rules will be placed in the pink penalty box located on the infield, forcing their team to skate the next jam with one less skater. The game ends after four quarters. The team with the most points at the end of the bout is your winner. Be sure to meet them at the bar and buy them a drink. Here's a hint. Roller derby girls prefer tequila. Or is it vodka? Maybe it's whiskey. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's pretty much uh, what you would see at uh, LA Derby Dolls bout today. And, uh, you know, there will be a quiz afterwards on the rules. And, um, you know, I assure you that the figures of the real derby skaters are much better than those play school characters that are going around the track in the rules. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll get back to uh, modern derby in a little bit, but uh, when Axel and I first started writing this book, uh, it, it, I mean, it's pretty simple the reason why we wanted to write the book. We wanted to write it because we just love roller derby. I mean, we love roller derby. All roller derby. Old school, new school, everything. And, and on top of all of that, you know, we're kind of, I mean, maybe me more than her, but, but we're kind of history nerds a little bit. And, and of any sport out there that I can think of, roller derby just has the coolest history of, of any sport. Like, I mean, for example, I got the opportunity to do a lot of digging around, and, and popular, popular legend has it that roller derby started out in, in the Great Depression in the 30s as this uh, marathon skate, where these skaters would skate on these really horrible metal wheels or these clay wheels 
that I mean I can't even imagine like making one stride on these awful squeaky little contraptions much less skating a thousand miles on them but they would do this but uh, we we learned in going back that roller derby actually goes back to the 1800s and that they were doing this as far back as that and that's something that's not not really commonly talked about with roller derby and and you know you'd think that skating on those skates is bad in the mid 30s I mean on the 18 in the 1800s it was even worse and I mean I think that I would die after a lap and uh, they might not have died after a lap but they died after about a thousand and five hundred laps several of them actually did die thankfully that's not happening anymore in Derby that we know of. There's not a lot of death in Derby, thank God. But um, in the book we talk about Derby as, um, as like the cat of, of the uh, sports arena, you know, because like no other sport, Derby's had all of these incarnations and just when it seems like it's completely dying out, it, it revives itself again. And, and you know, in, in the book we talk about at least uh, like six incarnations of Derby. It goes in the 1800s and then that in the 30s when it became an actual organized team sport that was co-ed, which was a really big deal, like bringing women into, uh, into sports really had never happened before roller derby, so that's going to be 100 years old on August 13th, actually. Roller derby is a team sport. I mean, sorry, 75 years old. My math, I'm an athlete, not a mathlete. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's get real here. So, um, and then, you know, it went on to the 70s, and I know, like, a lot of people in the crowd who haven't, aren't really up on modern roller derby remember this. 1970s roller derby is really theatrical, kind of, you know, stagey, wrestling-like, you know, very flamboyant person personalities is hugely popular but then that died out as well and then there was the 80s for many reasons we don't like to talk too much about the 80s it's, uh, you know roller derby also victim to the spandex craze as well as uh, alligators which you know nothing says roller derby like a giant pit of alligators in the middle of the track I mean that's that's definitely not staged at all and then in the 90s in the roller you know, the rollerblade craze as well. So, uh, you know, at the end of the 90s, roller derby seemed to kind of die out and, and just be this kind of like kitsch hilarity, you know, that you think about like tin lunch boxes and, and that kind of thing, you know, that just was another retro thing in the past. But uh, then in Texas in 2001, these uh, forward-thinking girls kind of picked up the mantle from this this uh, shyster of a man who had this brilliant idea and decided to start roller derby again and and they thought you know let's make this a real sport let's let's take out the antics let's take out the um, you know take out the fixed endings let's take out the fake fighting and all of this stuff and they wanted it to be real and a real athletic competition and also uh, at the time significantly no boys allowed this is going to be just a girls thing so um, pretty much for the last nine years it's been going on it just increasing and growing exponentially with with some uh, notable exceptions on that last point um, we, we kind of let the boys play now sometimes too which uh, is nice because they're very helpful as you know they made that lovely video <laughs> and and I uh, and it's yeah so, um, I mean, and many other things. I mean, we really rely on, on our derby boys as much as girls. So, um, anyway, I mean, more, more so than 
than just the sport somewhere along the way. I mean, think partially because it was so, so female oriented, it kind of accidentally became this community of women as well, like this really unique female space where women got the permission to let themselves be aggressive. And that's a really unique thing. I mean, you don't really find that anyplace else. And this was happening in, in droves. You know, it wasn't one crabby woman at the office. It was, uh, you know, a hundred people in one, in one area that were, that it was totally okay for them to be aggressive. And along with this comes this great support system that, that Axels and I have, have literally seen change lives in the seven years that she and I have been involved in it. So, um, you know, it's, and also in LA, like you can't discount just being able to show up someplace and like find your people because it's so hard to find your people in a town like Los Angeles and every place it is. But, uh, you know, we wanted to write the book because it's growing so fast that now there's somewhere around 20,000 people in the world, men, women, even kids, that now have decided that roller derby is exactly where they want to find their people, just like we did, you know, many years ago. So... So that was the initial idea, and actually to go way back in time uh, to about a year and a half ago, Casey and I had been talking about writing this book, and we thought, let's write an idiot's guide to roller derby, because that'll be easy, and we can just talk about how the sport came into being, and kind of how to skate, and kind of how to start your own league, and we'll call it a day. And uh, luckily, uh, we have a friend who happens to be a book agent, and I called him up and ran this idea by him, and he said, no, I don't think you should write an idiot's guide, I think you should write a celebration book. Now, I had never heard this term before. It kind of made me want to throw up a little bit in my <laughs> mouth. I just seemed so antithetical to everything that we do that's kind of raw and aggressive in Derby. But the more that I thought about it, I realized that there really is, there's so much to celebrate in Derby. And besides all the great history and community that Casey talked about, there's things like community service and all of the great work that, that skaters often do outside of all of their practice and games. There's all of the people who are involved that aren't just skaters. And we have a number of them here tonight, referees, announcers, statisticians, people that do behind the scenes work. Uh, and then there's the culture. There's things like after parties and derby widows and derby crushes. And if you want to know what these things are, buy the book. Um, so we realized that there really was a lot to celebrate. And that's exactly what we decided to do with this book. Uh, throughout the book, we do share, as Casey mentioned, you know, each one of us has about seven years in this sport now. And we shared a lot of our own personal anecdotes throughout it. But there's a lot of great stories that didn't make it into the book. So to Tonight, we thought we'd share a couple of those with you, starting with our very earliest roller skating memories, right. Ms. Bomber. And uh, there are a lot of people who are really happy that a lot of the stories didn't make it in the book. I got a lot of, I got a lot of, this isn't a memoir, is it? <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, it's not. You're safe. You're safe for now. Just hang on. So uh, for me, when I was younger, I started skating when I was about five years old. Um, it was the one... The one night a week, it was Tuesday night, and my best friend, Heather Smathers, her dad would come pick me up in, in their station wagon and would take me to the roller skating rink on Tuesday. And it was the only night of the week that I was allowed to stay up past 9 o'clock. And I thought that I was, you know, the biggest badass in the entire world with my crappy rental skates and my, you know, most fashionable animals <laughs> showing up at the rink, dancing to the Sheena Easton's morning train while her dad chain-smoked 
in the uh, chain smoked in the snack bar because there was n no problem doing that around children at the time. Um, <laughs> explains a lot about our generation. But um, so that was kind of my, my beginning thing. You know, we would have contests to see who could drink the most Tencent pickle juice at the snack bar and, and make our do little shoot the duck competitions where we were so tiny we looked like little tic tacs on the floor just shooting around. Um, but my more formidable skating years uh, came a few years later into elementary school when I uh, threw out the Garanimals, traded it for my tightest pair of Jordache jeans and my OP shirt du jour, brush in the back pocket, you know, ready to fix that feathered hair, you know, as soon as it went flat, which was a lot for me. Um, so I discovered three things at about the same time that I discovered uh, speed skating, boys, and Michael Jackson. So all of this comes together at the rink every single Saturday. Tons of Michael Jackson, all of my finest uh, one-gloved fashions being sported at the rink. And I would go with my best friend Amy Quintana every Saturday. So one day they announce it. It's the biggest event in Garland, Texas history. There's going to be, you know, at least for me, there's going to be this lock-in. And it's a Michael Jackson-themed lock-in. And it's 9 o'clock at night till 9 in the morning. And the parents are going to drop you off. And they're going to let you... Uh, you know, let you hang out at the rink all night and pick you up in the morning. There's chaperones, and I'm super excited about this. So I have to back up a little bit and explain that this is also the year that uh, I convinced my parents that because Cindy Johnson let her watch any movie that ever came on HBO, I was allowed to watch Poltergeist. So that same day, coincidentally and unfortunately, I realized I watched Poltergeist, freaked out when the guy peeled his face off, put my shirt over my face, went up to the TV, turned off the TV, and then promptly got a stomach virus and spent the next two days throwing up. So I don't care what my dad, my mom, or Cindy Johnson said, horror movies made me puke. Period. That was the way that it was. So about a week before this lock-in is going to happen, Michael Jackson's thriller video debuts at the rink. And the screen comes down and everybody's excited and they're sitting in the middle of the rink and thriller comes on about 30 seconds into that zombies. I'm like, oh, hell no! And I just skate as fast as I can into the stall, cowering, terrified I'm going to puke all over my Jordache, and refuse to watch this. So my parents had given me permission to go to the lock-in, the boy that I liked was going to be there, I was so excited, and then the DJ announced that they were going to show the Thriller video every 30 minutes. <laughs> all night long, and I, no way. So uh, I, I, the night comes around and I was like, I don't feel so good. I'm just, oh, I'm so sick, mom. Oh, you know, like kids do. So I end up skipping this. And the next Monday at school, I show up at school and I notice that all the kids that were the skating rink, just one by one, they're itching. They're kind of just all itching. And then one by one, they go into the nurse and disappear. You know, it's like 10 little Indians in there. It's crazy. I mean, they're all disappearing over the course of the day. And it turns out that the skating rink was the, the location of one of the worst scabies outbreaks in <laughs> Dallas County history. So um, I guess, lucky for me, I didn't like horror movies. So that was, uh, that was pretty much like my, my early skating years. Needless to say, the skating kind of took a break after the scabies outbreak of <laughs> 1984. So anyway. 
Luckily, we got her into Derby. And there's some scabies in here. <laughs> there I have never been scabbed. I just want to just <laughs> share that. Uh, so for me, I'm actually really uh, uh, honored to be able to say that I can have proof of this. My, my PE teacher from grade school is here tonight, Daryl Lee. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. And he, he can, yes, Daryl Lee can personally attest to the fact that I was the world's suckiest athlete as a kid. I mean, I was just miserable. Um, but roller skating was the one thing that I actually felt like I could do somewhat decently, which mostly just meant I went really fast and I had no idea how to stop, so I was really good at just slamming into walls. So I skated a lot as a kid, and then I hit my teen years, and I kind of became less interested in skating and a lot more interested in boys and theater. And I went to a high school for for the performing arts and I got cast my very first show I was cast in the play you can't take it with you I played the Russian waitress who doesn't come in until like halfway through the third act and I was so excited about this part and I was so excited in rehearsals and I had to wait forever for my turn because I don't come until halfway in the third act and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting for weeks and we finally get to my big scene and I'm all excited and I walk onto the stage and I'm just about to like utter my first line and the director of the show who bore striking resemblance to Winston Churchill in drag shouts <laughs> out Cohen you walk like a cow Oh, you can awe. It's okay. It was very sad. <laughs> so I cried a lot, and I thought a lot about what I could possibly do to remedy the situation. And after giving it hours of thought, uh, I came back to said drama teacher and said, Miss Levinson, if you really think I walk like a cow, why don't you put me on roller skates? And she kind of stopped and thought about it for a second and said, Brilliant! Get your purse, we're going to Kmart. <laughs> so we go to Kmart in Traverse City, Michigan, where she got me a pair of those white boot old school roller skates, which I proceeded to spray paint purple and wear in the show, which I totally stole. And for much of my last two years of high school, uh, and then I didn't skate again for a long time. But I, years later, wound up becoming a radio reporter here in Los Angeles, and I was going to take a trip to Austin, Texas. And uh, I was kind of short on cash, so I was looking for ways to write the trip off as a business expense. And friends that we were going to visit, the, one of them had just joined the then starting roller derby league uh, there in Austin. And I said, I've got this great plan. I'm going to go, I'm going to do a story on roller derby for the radio, and then I can write the business trip off. So I go and I spend like an entire week hanging out with roller girls, interviewing roller girls, going to practices, going to their bout at the big South by Southwest convention. And I was just so amazed. And here were all of a sudden like a bunch of women who I totally got. And they were skating and they were sexy and they were beating the crap out of each other. And it was this crazy carnival and there was a band there and it was so cool. And I wanted so badly to be a part of it that when I came back to LA, I felt like the kid after Christmas where I was like, oh, I had the best time ever and it's never going to be that cool again. <laughs> and I thought, you know, unless I move to Texas, that's it. Well, sure enough, about a couple months later, uh, my husband and I were around the corner at Wacko Soap Plant and all of a sudden my husband comes running over. He's like, you'll never believe what I found. He grabs me, we run to the front door and there was a flyer 
LA starting a roller derby league, email us if you want to be, you know, want to join if you're interested. So um, I emailed Wendy and Rebecca who are there in the back. Thank you so much for coming. I went to my first practice with this thing uh, the very next week. <laughs> this thing. Thank God. This thing. This this one uh, couldn't have picked a better first ride there, and that was it uh, for me. I was hooked. So I think I had a somewhat. Everyone comes into derby in a different way, but I think I was really lucky in that I had spent all this time with Derby Girls. I knew exactly what I was getting into before I got into it. But not everybody necessarily has that luxury, which is why one of the chapters we wrote is called Am I a Derby Girl? So now we're at the reading part. Casey. <laughs> all right. So uh, we are going to read a chapter in the book that's called Am I a Derby Girl? And this chapter is kind of written to help you figure out if this sport is something that uh, might be for you. So, uh, without further ado, uh, the question is, am I a derby girl? We remember very vividly the days we asked ourselves that same question. We both wondered if we would be tough enough, athletic enough, rock and roll enough, or hot enough to stand up to the other derby girls. Back then, in 2003, the LA Derby Dolls League was only months old, still skating with its figurative training wheels. We had no notion of what to expect when we showed up to our first practices. One of us was a lapsed athlete, worried that she'd encounter a rogue pack of suicide girls in an inked-up beauty contest on wheels. The other was a 52, 5'2", 31-year-old, fairly certain that her size and childhood dread of PE class would make her instant meat in an Amazon sandwich. Sorry, Mr. Lee. <laughs> oh. We arrived at Skateland, the Derby Dolls practice venue back then, where an unlikely shift change was about to occur. Deep in the heart of the San Fernando Valley, the parking lot was teeming with excited women waiting to begin practice, looking as though all they had in common were their ovaries and the skates slung over their shoulders. Strains of Christian rap music filtered out the front doors, accompanying an exodus of teenaged holy rollers and making way for the entering derby hopefuls. We met brainiacs, brick houses, and will-o'-the-wisps. We laced up next to tattooed punk rockers and elementary school teachers, cops, and reformed delinquents, loudmouths, and wallflowers. We were relieved to realize even though there were tough girls who embodied all our imagined fears, there were also plenty of others who looked just like us. They also skated just like us, which at that point was not saying all that much. Then again, back in our early days of skating, things weren't quite what they are today. This version of roller derby was so new and skaters were so scarce that if you showed up, hey, congratulations, you're on a team. <laughs> in, in more recent years, the standard of play has escalated to heights of athleticism scarcely imagined back when we first ironed out our strides. To watch a game today with all the screaming fans, jarring collisions, and lightning strategy and think, hey, I can do this starting tomorrow is truly a brave aspiration. The skaters in their war paint and personalized uniforms look like a gang straight out of the Warriors. They're intimidating. The action is raw and painful looking. Bones are broken on a regular basis. This is something that people do for fun. You're damn right it is. Catch a skater coming off the track after a game and look in her eyes and you'll see something confident and attractive. That's called pride. Tenacious new girls by the dozen step up every month to learn how to get that look for themselves. Of course, it had to be more than quads and chromosomes that brought us all to the rink, right? 
Is it an elusive set of inner desires, something wrong in our heads, or perhaps a genetic disposition to be a capital B badass? Maybe it's an outlet for people who like to think of the word can't as a challenge rather than as a dead end, or an all-consuming hobby for those who have always wanted more than they're allowed and weren't afraid, afraid to get physical to get it. A skater named Natalie Blair, a.k.a. Ginger Snap of the Gotham Girls Roller Derby once put it, you don't become a roller girl, really. You realize that you are are one already. But maybe you're still not sure if this describes you. Maybe you're still asking yourself if you have it in you. If you haven't already run out to buy your first eight wheels, maybe this quiz we have devised can help you decide. Um, and don't be afraid to raise your hand if any of these choices apply to you. Uh, number one, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of roller skates? A, jam skating to Michael Jackson's Thriller at the local rink when I was a kid. <laughs> B, that Baywatch-esque rollerblading phase I was in back in the early 90s. C, the horrific memory of all those skating parties I spent clinging to the wall as a child. <laughs> Two, which of these best describes the amount of free time in your schedule? Hey, let's put it this way. I've seen way too many reruns of the Golden Girls lately, so I'm wide open for an exciting hobby. B, I'm pretty busy with work and family, but I still try to make some time for myself. C, things are crazy. I barely have time to answer this survey. Three, what would you do if you got a black eye? A, immediately take a picture of it and put it up as my Facebook default. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those. B, slap a steak on it and hope it goes away before anyone starts to worry about me. Or my boyfriend, I guess. <laughs> C, so bad. stay home until I could cover it up with makeup because I can't stand going out looking less than perfect. Four, how would you describe yourself socially? A, I'm the life of every party. I love to be the center of attention. Or so I'm told when I wake up in the yard wearing someone else's pants. <laughs> or no pants. <laughs> B, I can seem a little shy when you meet me, but I come out of my shell after a while or after a few tequila shots. C, I try to avoid crowds because strangers really creep me out. <laughs> Five, your friends invite you on an extreme sports vacation. How do you react? Hey, hell yeah, man. I'll try anything once and probably twice. Let's go yesterday. B, I'm not into sports, but my friends are fun, so I'll give it a shot. See, I don't like sweating and team sports are totally gay. Forget it. <laughs> Six, when you see an ultimate fighting championship match on television, what do you do? A, play a drinking game for each time someone bleeds. <laughs> B, pretend to be reading my copy of Us Weekly, but take note of a few good moves, purely for self-defense purposes. C, iron my tie-dyed give peace a chance t-shirt, then go out and combat senseless violence with free hugs. All right, so it's tally time. If you answered A to most of these questions, you are definitely roller derby material. You're no stranger to roller skates. You're not afraid to get out there and try new and potentially dangerous things. And you've got time to devote to a new hobby. Essentially, you have potential roller derby cult recruit tattooed all over you.
If you answered B to most of these questions, there's hope for you for sure. You might think you're very bold, oh, you might not think you're very bold and adventurous, but that fire in you isn't just heartburn. <laughs> Trade those rollerblades in for quads and introduce yourself to your inner badass. If you answered C to most of these questions, roller derby might not be for you. It looks like your schedule may not permit you the practice time you need, and the potential for injury in front of a big crowd could scare you off of derby. But if the fact that we just suggested that you can't do this makes you so irritated that you want to try anyway, there just might be a roller girl in you yet. Still with us? If so, you're ready for step two. You should know that like the Bible, Derby also has ten commandments. They represent the elements that will always be true about the sport no matter where you play or whom you skate with, and it must be accepted before you can become a happy and effective wheeled warrior. That's the, that's, the that's the banana. He's from Charm City. He's charming indeed. Um, so we're not going to read all ten Appealing. commandments because we want you to buy the book. And if you're coming in late, let's add the extra incentive that if you buy the book here at Skylight Books tonight, you will be automatically entered in a raffle with all sorts of cool LA Derby Dolls prizes. So we're not going to read all ten commandments, but we are going to read our personal favorite Casey Bomber, will you do the honors of number eight? Yes, the eighth commandment. This ain't Fight Club. You do talk about Derby all the time. Can I get an amen? Remember all those interesting subjects you used to explore during dinner party conversations and quiet pillow talk with your sweetie? Wave goodbye. Joining Derby is like meeting someone new and falling in love. All you can talk and think about is that person. You suddenly want to rename your kitten Mr. Loverpants the third and start writing earnest poetry. <laughs> Meanwhile, your friends are all about one more audible sigh away from wringing your neck. There is a certain catatonic thousand-yard stare that boyfriends, girlfriends, and derby spouses across the nation have developed when their darlings start talking shop. It's a look that indicates the realization that their awesome relationship just became a threesome with roller derby. And they're not quite sure which one of the trio wears the pants. <laughs> Many a relationship has been strained to the limit by the constant competition for attention. However, others have flourished when supportive loved ones joined what they couldn't beat by taking valuable roles of their own within the leagues. But don't feel too guilty about your enthusiasm. Countless strangers sitting next to you on the subway, your local dive bar, your gynecologist's waiting room will return it to you. Wear Team Flare out in public or sport a derby-themed tattoo, and it has the effect of sending an evite to an inquisition. <laughs> Questions ranging from the uber-enthusiastic... Oh my god, what team are you on? ...to the curious... There's roller derby in this city? Where? To the misguided... But what do you do with the ball? <laughs> to the inane. Aren't all roller derby girls lesbians? We'll play and replay until you wish you had a pocket FAQ sheet to provide to everyone in the room. But what do you care? You are in love, and you could talk track for hours on end. Fortunately, you've just gained thousands of new sisters who are dying to listen. That's the end of the reading. Thank you. So we've got, we've got a couple more stories for you because we figure that uh, we, we did the best that we could in the book to kind of give you an idea of, you know, maybe how you can decide if this sport is for you. But there's really no, no PR for Derby or no, no 
barometer for derby, like talking to an actual roller derby girl about roller derby. Um, it's, you know, there's really no better way to recruit someone for a cult than to have an actual cult member talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. Um, they get that look in their eyes. Uh, so we wanted to talk about really uh, what, what roller derby has kind of meant for us and some of our favorite parts about derby. And for me, I, uh, you know, anybody who has skated with me in this room knows that I wasn't necessarily the most awesome skater in the world or, or uh, whatever, but I love roller derby and the part of roller derby that, that really spoke to me was the community and, and I love the skating and I love the violence, I loved all of that, but I really love the community part of roller derby. So when I first came out to the LA Derby Dolls as a very new league and I had no idea what I was getting into but I showed up to my first practice and, w and was really excited because all of these girls just seemed a lot less like those suicide girls that I feared. I didn't even know what to wear. I mean I almost didn't show up because I had no idea what to wear to the practice because I thought what do you wear to a roller derby practice? I had absolutely no idea. So I selected soccer shorts, which are a bad idea if you've ever fallen on a varnished wood floor with bare legs. Uh, not something I wore again. But um, I did show up and I was there for all of maybe three practices and a yard sale, like just, just long enough to, to uh, open my big mouth and, and threaten to the girls or a few of the girls, I am going to kick all of your asses and then I am going to make out with all of you. <laughs> And it, I mean, it, weirdly, it turns out that that's not a bad way to make friends in roller derby. It's kind of crazy. I mean, nobody, nobody thought that was strange at all. So I, I figured I was probably in the right place. So about the time of my third practice, uh, the girls were kind of milling about deciding that they were going to go see this game in Arizona. And there was a league in Arizona that was starting up and they were playing um, flat track roller derby. And flat track roller derby is another variety of roller derby that's played today that's played on a, on a rink track and is extremely popular across the country. And, and they're so, you know, we're going to go see this Arizona game and, and we're kind of debating who's going to go, how are we going to get there, and, um, and about this time I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go and uh, this, this lovely girl, Eva Lee, who's behind the uh, bookshelf there, who is, uh, who's the LA Derby Dolls announcer now, um, a former teammate of mine, uh, you know, a total stranger at the time, comes up to me and says, uh, who are you riding with, man? Uh, she's like, who are you riding with, man? She's like, I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, well, whoever you're riding with, I'm riding with you. And I was like, yeah. She's like, you remind me of my best friend from Las Cruces, New Mexico. I'm like, you know, you remind me of a lot of people that I've known in my life, too. You know, so she's like, all right, cool. That's like, all right, you know, and walk away. And I'm like, I like her. She's awesome. Yeah, totally. Okay, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I'm into this. So, uh, you know, ultimately we decide that we're just going to take one big van and cram 15 people in this one big van and, and go to Arizona. And uh, you learn a lot about your, you know, strangers in a cramped van uh, when there may or may not be three or four bottles of Jim Beam being passed around on a six-hour drive. Uh, you know, like, uh, for instance, Thorazine, one of the uh, league founders who's standing back there, I learned that she gives a really great lap dance even at 80 miles per hour. 
uh, Kid Vicious, who's standing over here, who's in the van, who's uh, just released her first uh, book as well. Kid Vicious, uh, we learned that she's probably borderline narcoleptic and that you can pretty much put anything on her when she's sleeping and do whatever you want. It's, it's really, really awesome. So, uh, we, and we were headed, mind you, we're headed to Arizona. Never met anybody in this league, but there's a girl named Ivana Spenkin who started that league and she's still, she's still around, very active in Derby today. But uh, at the time, nobody had met Ivana. And there's 15 girls hurtling towards her house where she, sight unseen, has said, yeah, come on, you can all stay at my place. I mean, who does that? You know, who does that? They, they, who are we? we? You know, she's never met us. But so I really love that about roller derby, and I love that there's that, that kind of uh, support, this sight unseen thing, and that that continues today. But so as we're going there, um, I'm sitting next to Eva Lee in the van, and, and we're, we're uh, learning another lesson on this trip is that nobody actually wins a drinking contest. <laughs> Um, if, if Jim Beam does. Uh, J yeah, Jim Beam, Jim Beam one, Roller Girl zero. Uh, so at one point I look over at her and, and she's wearing, mind you, she's wearing aviator glasses, a PBR shirt, and one sparkly red fingerless glove. Uh, it might have been two in the beginning, but at the time it was one. And she puts her glove on me and she goes, I love you, man. And I look back at her and I go, I love you, man. She's like, I love you, man. And I go, you know what? I'm like, I feel like we've known each other for a while. You're like my wife. And she goes, no, yeah, you're totally like my wife. And we're like, we are wives. We are wives. Like, we just decide this right there. And we go to Arizona, and we show up at this house, and we pour out of the van, you know, in various states of, you know, consciousness. And, uh, just kind of over the course of the weekend, there's girls from Texas there, there's girls from Arizona there, and we're saying, you know, introducing each other, oh, I'm Casey, this is my derby wife, Eva Lee. And everyone's like, what the hell is that? And we're pretty much just making shit up at this point. You know, we're just making it up. Well, you know, I mean, it's like, She's a person, it's like the buddy system. She's a person who's going to back you up if you, you know, ever get in trouble. That's, that's your wife, you know, and we're just kind of just winging it as we go, you know, and she introduced me to an old friend of hers and says, you know, this is my derby wife, Casey Bomber. So as we're leaving Arizona, this is, you know, going back to Texas with the Texas girls. It's staying in Arizona, and then, you know, next thing you know, it's like all of these girls in Arizona are like, ah, da 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 my derby wife. And then someone in Texas is like, oh, this is my derby wife. And we're just kind of like, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> just, okay, whatever. And, you know, fast forward about two years later, uh, they have the first roller derby convention ever, and uh, Axel's has the great idea that there should be a derby wedding. And anybody who didn't know what a derby wife was at that point, you know, this is getting kind of turning into propaganda level and we're promoting this. And it turns out I'm standing at this, this place. There's about 300 people at that derby convention. And there are 80 couples getting married and becoming derby wives. And I have absolutely no idea who almost any of them are. It was just complete strangers doing this. And, and it was just such an awesome 
thing to realize that, you know, it's like you look around and all of these people like need the same things that you need and your friends, you know, and you've got all of these people who obviously are totally willing to share in your silly sense of humor and make it a big tradition. And I mean, for me, like that's what Derby's about. Like it's this kind of being able to form these traditions and having this whole group of people that just share your sense of humor and, and all of that stuff. I think it's pretty awesome. And if you want in the book, you can find the original Derby wedding vows which will be used for the fifth time uh, next week or this week oh my god it's this week RollerCon uh, so that's pretty exciting you will also find in the book there's a whole section that we did on roller derby in film and television because it's it's really little surprise that you know you've got these amazing uniforms and these crazy creative names and all this violence so of course you know roller derby is a great subject for film and TV the one thing we did not include in this because frankly there are just way too many of them out there now are roller derby music videos because there's a ton of them out there but but back in the day there wasn't um, and there was this band from New Zealand called the Dotsons and they had uh, yeah we've got some Kiwis in the house so they decided they wanted to do a roller derby video and they got a director who got in touch with us and back then for those of you who don't recall the LA Derby Dolls were uh, in a pillow factory in Chinatown because we always like to pick these interesting venues and actually we were on top of the pillow factory in Chinatown so we had our, our old track that was up on top of this roof and we got contacted by this video director and did, did we ask for sag rates or anything like that no we asked for heaters because and dryers because it would rain and the track would get all wet and we needed some way to dry it off so we thought this was, I mean at the time this was an awesome deal we got heaters and we got to be in a rock and roll music video and it was rad so it was set to shoot on a Sunday night and we showed up at about five o'clock in the afternoon and at first it was all like glamour and fun because there was there were makeup artists there that did our makeup and we never had that for Derby and we had these special shirts made for us and that was really exciting and they had the craft services table and for many of us this was the first craft services um, but sadly we were only allowed because we were just the rollerbladers as the um, French PA like to put it so we had to eat after like I think the intern got to eat before we did it was very sad uh, but so finally we were fed we were made up we were ready to go we started shooting at about maybe eight o'clock at night and at first we're super jazzed I mean this is awesome right there we're being filmed and there's this rock band and they're cute boys and we're skating around the track and around the track and then we get to beat each other up for a little bit oh and then when someone gets to jump over the rail it seemed really fun for like two hours and then four hours and then six hours and then it's like three o'clock in the morning and skating's hard like in about maybe you're skating for you know a combined total of an hour or so but this was hours on end that we're skating finally it gets to about six o'clock in the morning on Monday we've been skating since eight o'clock we are done with the fame and the glory of the freaking Dotsons <laughs> And we're thinking it's got to be over soon, right? The song's only two and a half minutes. How much could they possibly film? And the director says to us, hey, well, ladies, you've been doing a great job. We're, everything's great so far. It's looking really, really good. But now we've got to the point where we're doing the big climax of the video. We want all of you to skate into the center of the track and just start beating the crap out of each other for like a solid 10 minutes, all right? Let's go. We were 
about this close to jumping the dude and being like, screw you and your video. The only person we're clobbering is you. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm supposed to be at work in two hours. But, you know, we all mustered the courage deep within, and we did that dog pile, and it was pretty rad. So for those of you who were there, and, and for those of you who weren't, it's a fun game. Look and see how many people from this room you recognize from this video. Uh, Dotson's girl's best friend. <laughs> My girl's best friend, she told me She said all your love's in vain Said that girl's gonna leave you So I seen this love refrain That girl, she's gonna walk out that door Say I better treat her right So I'm treating her that's legal in New Zealand but pretty much everything in that video could get you kicked out of a game if not a league in Los Angeles I'll tell you that um, I wanted to give a big thanks to my husband my AV department for the evening rich for working the computer 
Also, uh, to Vince Wheel, who put together that great video we saw at the beginning, uh, a quick announcement, and then we're going to open it up to any questions you might have. Um, we are so happy, once again, for all of you showing up tonight. After uh, this, there's going to be a little signing, and we'll do a little raffle. And then afterwards, we're going to let the folks at Skylight close shop. And we're all headed to the Agave Cantina just down the road on the other side of the street. So if you want to know what happens when you buy a Roller Girl a margarita, this is a perfect opportunity to find out. Uh, so with that said, we'd love if anyone has any questions about the book or about Derby, except for the two of you, we're happy to answer them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. no questions. We did such a good job. All right. Are you going to ask that question? No. <laughs> what was your worst roller derby injury? Um, I well, I've been really fortunate actually in terms of derby injuries. Uh, I got out with a slip disc in my neck, which still bothers me often. A sprained shoulder and a hyperextended elbow, and uh, I, I consider that not too bad. No breaks, no surgeries for me. So yeah. Uh, I think probably my worst one because it's been the most long-lasting and actually we did a little section on roller derby injuries and uh, there's some new research showing that of all the injuries 71% of them still stick around years after you retire which is really sad um, I have uh, I know it's true um, uh, I got a busted tailbone which led to some sciatica courtesy of a lovely lady, lady named Letha Injection. And uh, at our first practice, one of the first things you learn is that when you fall, you fall alone. Don't grab anyone and take them down. Letha was very pretty. She didn't get that one the first time coming through. And the first fall that she took, she grabbed onto my pants and not only managed to pull my pants off, but she also pulled me straight down on the floor. And that was the bruised tailbone that's with me to this day. Yeah. But I love Letha. <laughs> Anybody else? What you got? What are Tiffany? Oh, I I really like there's a girl in San Diego and her name's Anna Another Thing. That's a really good one. Um, there's a girl who who's a very demure Japanese skater, I suppose, named Onoshi Ditton. That's a really good one. Um what do, you, what do you think? Uh, we have some in the book. That we do. I was going to pull a couple of my favorite from the book. Um, I mean, I will say this. The thing that's amazing is that there's kind of this um, code that if, if a derby name's taken, you don't take that name. There's actually a roster of now 20,000 names, and it's really hard to pick a name nowadays that hasn't been taken. Um, and I was really impressed by one of the newer L.A. derby dolls who came up with the name Caperna Crush. <laughs> I just think it's geeky. I love it. Um, other ones, uh, wrote a bad check. That was one of the ones I found in the course of doing this one. book that was really good. I like that. Um, but I'm also, I'm kind of fond of the um, names that have multiple meanings. And there is a, a fellow old car collector. I'm, uh, I'm an old car fan. That's part of where my name came from. And there's a girl who is an old car buff. And she's sober, and she was on a, a space age theme team, and she was Betty Ford Galaxy, and I just think that like that's the trifecta. So. <laughs> she's got it all. Anyone else? Roger Assaultry. No, no. I said as far as we know, it's about the sixth. I said, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like this 
Um, Leave it to the refs to get tough. Always, always getting technical, those refs. Um, uh, you know what? It, it remains to be seen. I mean, I think that that uh, we're at a point with this derby where it really has spread to pretty much every city in the United States. I mean, there's over 500 leagues out there right now, and, and I think that and, and junior derby, you know, there's, and I think that, that that's, that's kind of the, the junior derby is kind of the answer to the question in, in a way. Um, with kids picking up derby today, that's something that's never happened before. So you've got um, girls from age 7 to 17 out there skating derby and more and more cities are embracing this and there's even some towns that are doing PE programs where they can do derby in PE, which is amazing to me. So I think that, that if that catches on, then there's really no stopping it at this point. And to give a shameless plug, um, the LA Derby Dolls is one of many leagues right now that are offering a version of Derby. There's plenty of women, I, I hear from them all the time, they're like, what you do is so awesome and I'd love to do it, but I don't have the time to commit. Or that's awesome, I'd love to do what you do, but if I broke my hand, I'd be out of work and that would be the end of it. Um, and we here in Los Angeles do something called Derby Por Vida, which is a kind of, you know, it's a, a Derby light version, which is also a name that they use out there. And it's a version of Derby where you can come and take classes and do a lot of the same stuff that we do, but it's a lot less violent and it's way less of a time commitment. And compared to classes for physical activity here in LA, this stuff is a deal. So um, check it out. You can find out more about it at derbydolls.com slash LA in the training section. Very nice. Good plug. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I want a margarita. So uh, oh unless yeah. there's other questions. Anything pressing out there? If there's there? something pressing, we'll also be around uh, sticking around for the signing. And again, be sure to buy a book here at Skylight. You'll be automatically entered to win uh, a raffle prize, which we'll be giving away in just a few moments. And thank you so much again for coming out today. Thanks, everybody. been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Ashling and Arlo. You can check them out at MySpace or Facebook or at the iTunes Music Store. Thank you for stopping by and we hope to see you soon.